Welcome back, you bunch of jack wagons. We're back again with the always weekly but never weekly podcast of the Jack from the Jack Wagon Sports Network. Gotta work on the intro a little bit. That's that's what happens when George when George does it all the time. Uh so as always, we're going to bring you uh some reviews and some updates about what's happening in the sports world and talk about some topics that we pick out. So Slade, why don't you go ahead and start us off with our review of the NBA playoffs? Yeah, so like you said, first we have the NBA up. Um, right now, it seems like the most competitive series we have is the Celtics versus the Heat. The series is 3-2 after last night's win by the Celtics. Um, game six is going to be Friday in Boston. Um, I think both of you guys picked Boston to win the series. Um, George, what are your thoughts on the series and how that's going right now? Uh, it's been super weird, uh, honestly. Um, I didn't get to watch too much of it because uh, I was on vacation. Um, but I was, you know, keeping up with the, the, the updates on my phone and stuff. Seems like, I mean, I know game one, I think Boston had like a 20 point lead and they blew it. Um, game two, same thing, but they didn't blow it. Uh, it's just been very lopsided games and it's coming down to whether Miami can make a comeback or not. And then I believe the last game they played. I think you said what they scored like 30 points in the first first quarter combined. Um, just like bizarre games out of that series. Um, I wish I could have got to watch more, uh, but I mean, overall it's been highly competitive. I know the last one uh, game five went, you know, down to the wire still. Um, the heat have been able to show that resilience. Uh, I know there's a little bit of question around Jimmy Butler now. And if, if he's fully healthy, um, and it was funny, Joel Embiid tweeted out the other night saying, you know, Miami needs another star. Uh, so why doesn't he go down there and do it? But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, still, it, it's been a really fun and competitive to watch. Um, just like, a, you're just very weird seeing the scores. Like I said, Boston either blowing a lead, um, Miami's ability to come back, or just neither team able to score in, in game five to start. What do you think about it, Nick? Yeah, so uh, last night's game, Game 5, was the first game of the series that has gone how I thought the entire series would go. Um, these are two teams that kind of live on their defense. You know, we've talked about it multiple times. Um, and first off, you know, hats off to Miami. I, I did call Boston in seven. I did think that Miami was going to put up a fight, but... Um, this is a Miami team that has not quit since the start of the playoffs. Um, I do think, however, uh, there was some miscommunications from us last week uh, about, or not necessarily miscommunications, but we were incorrect in the way we were thinking about the way the series was laid out and what was going to be home versus away. So I had I known the or the last home game for Boston would have been uh, game six, I might have changed my prediction a little bit. But nonetheless, um, the story of, you know, the series still stands. Um, it's been a great fall battle, but Jimmy Butler, whether he plays or not, um, you know, at this point, it's it's too late. You know, like the comment uh, Embiid made, you know, they need another star. If Jimmy Butler is not 100%, that team is not 100%. And especially this time of year, you need to be 100% as a team to win games. Um, I don't think Miami has, you know, the support around him to go into Boston and, you know, even this series up to send it back to Miami for game six. Yeah, I definitely think that, like you guys said, it's just been kind of lopsided with the scores and stuff. Like you said, Nick, very defensive team. So last night kind of is how I imagine the series going also. What I did not imagine is Jimmy Butler playing for 30 minutes in the last two games each and scoring, like, 18 points total. I mean, I, I understand that he got hurt, but, I mean, at that point, is his defense outweighing his, his offensive productivity out there? Like, is he playing that good of defense to uh, outweigh him not putting up the 25 to 35 points that he needs for his team to win? Um, like Embiid said, I mean, he, he had a – uh, what's his name, Bam, and then he also has P.J. Tucker, but neither of them are going off together on the same night. It's like off and on as to which one's going to score 20 points to help Jimmy Butler out. So it's well, definitely – Don't forget Tyler Hero. 
Yeah, he's he didn't play last game though. So <laughs> I was just joking. Regardless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was he was the unsung hero of the the uh, COVID team though, bubble, right? Yeah, the bubble games. Yeah, um, bubble game. in that time. series, bubble boy. I, I, yeah, <laughs> in that series, if I think that you guys are going to end up coming out on top on this one, I think that it's going to be either Game Six or Seven that the that the uh, Celtics win. I think that it's most likely going to be Game Six just because Butler's not scoring enough points to help his team out and it's in Boston. Um the other side of the bracket is the Mavericks versus the Warriors. The Warriors have seemed to put up a pretty good fight against the Mavericks. They're three and one against them right now in the series. The one game the Mavericks won was in a tricky game because there was a weird statistic that it hadn't happened before and the Mavericks actually beat that statistic. Um the home team during any sort of delay due to like water damage to the arena has always lost if the delay was more than 15 minutes and the Mavericks won um their game after being delayed more than 15 minutes the other night um I still think the Warriors are going to win in fives uh Nick and I both picked them in five George picked them in six so I think that we'll see what you guys think Nick what do you think about the Warriors versus the Mavericks yeah um unlike the other series this one has gone exactly how I thought it was going to go uh, you could tell in the last series that, you know, the the big names in Golden State were starting to catch fire. You know, Clay Curry, um, even Poole. You know, he's been great all season. But uh, you want to talk about somebody needing another star? Dallas is that team that needs another star. I mean, you have Brunson, um, who's played. That doesn't sound. Is it Brunson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, it didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. I started to doubt myself. Um, mm-hmm. He's played, you know, really well, but in my opinion, at least, um, and this is no knock on him by any means, but I think that's more of a because he has to kind of thing, um, you know, and not obviously, you know, he's doing it when he needs to. So, you know, props to him, but he's not in today's league. You need either a one person that's going to drop 30 points a game and a top defender in the league or two people that are going to drop 30 points a game. Um, now, obviously there are teams who, you know, might win without that, but just the way that everything's laid out right now, that's kind of how the NBA, what the NBA has gone to. Um, and especially when you're talking about a Warriors team that is, you know, as hot as they are in the playoffs, they're tough to beat for anybody, especially a team that, you know, you think about the Mavericks, they're not known for their defense. You know, they're pretty much known for Luca throwing the team on his back and carrying him. Um, and, you know, he's done everything that he can. But with us going back to uh, the Bay Area on or tonight, actually, I, I don't think it goes any farther. What do you think about it, George? Yeah, I would. I, I think tonight's the, the last night. Um, I just, the reason I said six, I thought Dallas would at least put up a little bit more of a fight. I mean, granted, I think. Only one game they kind of got, I won't even call it blown out, but torched, really. Um, but other than that, I mean, they, I feel like they've kept it pretty close. Uh, I mean, as best they could. Um, I just thought they might be able to sneak out, either win both games at home uh, or sneak like a road win out. Um, but, yeah, as of right now, I just don't see that happening. Um, so, at the end of the day, I mean, it's – I don't think anybody picked the Mavericks to make it this far in the playoffs. Um, so I think that's a win for them. Now they need to go into the offseason. And, and like you said, they need to bring somebody else in. Um, and that'll. And I know last year, Luca kind of held out a little bit uh, for, you know, returning to the team. And I think he's just signed a new contract. He was threatening not to sign with them. Um, so I, th- I think it's a need they know has to be addressed and has needed to be addressed for some time now. Um, so I definitely look for them in the off season to, to either make a big trade or, you know, sign a, a key free agent or see if they can pick somebody up in the draft. Um, but either way, I think, like I said, just valiant effort for them to even get this far and to even to be able to avoid a sweep. Uh, Cause I don't think anybody had them even finishing within 10 points of, of uh, golden state on uh, Wednesday night. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm going to take change. I, my original prediction one game off, but yeah, I, I have I have the Warriors winning it tonight. Did you also see like I understand what you're saying that he needs the he needs the surrounding cast, 
um, to help out and to make him want to continue to play in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, like you had said, there was questions in the offseason whether he was going to resign with the team or sign his like extension, I guess, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Mark Cuban had came out before the Warriors series and said that if it came down to him signing Luka or getting divorced from his wife, or, I mean, to keep Luca, he would have to divorce his wife. He said, you catch him at the courthouse the next day. I'm like, imagine the conversation not... he had to have with his wife after saying oh, that yeah. <laughs> news outlet. I don't blame like, him, though, because, like, right. Luca's going to be a billionaire from playing for that team. If, oh, yeah. If Mark Cuban's, is... like, really serious about that, if yeah. he plays there his entire career, he'll make a billion dollars. Yeah. And we'll think about it. Does his wife, like, keep his job security no she doesn't like <laughs> no. luca does so yeah um, to, to be fair mark he doesn't need the basketball he keeps yeah. <laughs> his own job security he owns a team well yeah but you yeah, know, yeah i'm just saying and a bunch of other stuff but yeah yeah um so it seems like i'm i'm the only one that's really he- hesitant on any of the series and that's the the boston heat series you guys have picked correct with the celtics we all picked the warriors not much change there so mm-hmm. um Next, moving into our NHL review, um, I've been getting serious into watching. I'm watching every single game. I'm very proud of you. I'm flipping out through the text, but I work till midnight. You guys have to go to sleep early because you have to wake up and work at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I've blown your guys' group text up at, like, <laughs> overtime, whatever it is. But, um, Which is great I feel like, because, like, I feel like we the... do that to you sometimes, though, so I feel like it's you. yeah. yeah. When we're awake and like God yeah, forbid yeah. it's a game we care about, like, yeah, like or yeah, if, if port, ding, yeah, ding, ding. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm gonna go down through all of them and then I'll just pick on one of you guys to kind of go over your series and how you're how you're looking at the series. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the first we have the Lightning versus the Panthers. The Lightning just absolutely blanked the Panthers 4-0 in the series. Um, they're going to play the winner of the Rangers and the Hurricane. The Rangers and Hurricane are playing their game five tonight in Carolina. That series is tied at two. Um, the Hurricane, all postseason so far, they've talked about how they're able to win it away, but they have a hard time winning at home, like getting the crowd going at home. Um, I don't know what the deal is there. Uh, the Oilers versus the Flame on the other side of the bracket are... Their series is 3-1 right now. The Oilers are kind of shocking some people, including both of you who picked the Flames. Um, Their Game 5 series is also tonight, and that's at Calgary. Um, Then the last game would be the Blues versus Avalanche, which I kind of jumped the gun on, and I thought the Avalanche were winning last night to to end the series. But there is going to be a Game 6 in St. Louis. St. Louis. So the series is 3-2 right now. The Avalanche lead that. Um, George, what do you think, starting with the uh, Lightning, um, what do you think about the series and how they're going and how your predictions are doing? Yeah, uh, so I took the Panthers in seven in uh, the Lightning <laughs> series. Obviously, that was way fucking wrong. Um, I just, we're only off by To be games. fair, both yeah. teams are out and of Florida, right? Yeah. but So I like, mean, it's not really a home game for either. Like, it's not, there's no away game. Yeah. Um, that was just, uh, I've never seen like before, like, I mean, I know you, this used to be Tampa Bay for years. They would win the president's cup and then they'd get to like the second or like the third round of the playoffs and they wouldn't fall on their face flat like this. Like they would take it seven games, but eventually lose. Um, once in a while they get surprised. I think they get, they won. I want to say they won the president's cup in 2019. And I think Columbus swept them in the first round. Um, but just from one round to the next, I've never seen a team just completely as a whole fall apart. Um, their goalie wasn't really the issue. I, I mean, I don't remember any of the games where they, he gave up more than, I want to say, three or four goals. Uh, so it wasn't like they were getting beat 6-2 or, or anything like that nightly. Um, that was just... Surprising to see. I mean, and this is why Tampa Bay is, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cup champs, uh, and they're proving that they have the team to do it in a three-peat. Um, Rangers-Hurricanes, I, I think it's the opposite. I don't think the Hurricanes have won a road game yet this year. Oh, you're right. You're right. I was wrong. Yeah. I was okay. wrong. Um, All right. But, yeah, so, I mean, they desperately need to win one. 
Um, they're coming back home. I think Max, uh, I don't know if Max Domi's playing. I know he took a pretty dirty hit uh, in the last game. Um, and it's, it's weird how much of a key player he's become for them. Um, so hopefully they get him back. But um, I don't know if, if they can keep that trend continuing, at least they will win in seven, which I took them in seven. Um, but it almost just seemed like they were like, I know the Rangers really feed off their home crowd. Um, but it just almost seemed like Carolina just like kind of got sidetracked, I guess, by the crowd. Like they were just like, Oh shit, we're playing playoff hockey at Madison Square Garden. Like that to me, that's almost like what their mindset was the last two games. Um, they had really good chances. Um, just couldn't finish at all. Uh, and New York's able to take, you know, care of that. So it remains to see when they go back for game six. First of all, what the series looks like. I mean, they I mean they really need to get a huge win at home tonight. Um, but if you know when they go back for game six, if they can kind of get their heads out of their asses a little bit and and just play a little bit smarter hockey. Um, and if they can do that, they can definitely win on the road. Um, the Oilers flame series, uh, Markstrom is just completely falling on his face. Um I saw a statistic the other day. They ranked the top five, or they showed the top five goalies, um, and their first round to second round, and how big of a gap their goals allowed average was. And he's third on the list right now. Um, I know Jose Theodore was was first um, back in two thousand eight, and I remember that was a an Avs team that was loaded and ready to make the cup run, and they just stomped. Uh, I forget who they played the first round, but they stomped them. They got to the second round. He gave up eight goals a game. That's, that's what his goals against average was. It was horrible. Um, and Markstrom's third on that list, which tells you just how bad Markstrom's doing right now. Um, they is won that any- stars. Is that stars guy up there? <laughs> no. Oh. Why would he? I think, I think he's misunderstanding that. Yeah. So the oh. fir- what I'm saying, you, so you have a goals against average. Okay. Oh, okay, okay so the first it. round, yeah, the first round. <laughs> Markstrom had a really good average in the okay. second round. His average is shit. That's what, that's yeah. That's what I meant. So there you go. Um, yeah. If if they want any hope of of getting this to seven games, Markstrom needs to get his shit figured out. Um, another thing I was kind of thinking about back to the the Hurricanes real quick. Um, I think it's time to put Frederick Anderson in the game. Uh, I, they kind of rode Ranta here. I mean, they rode him through the first round. He got in the win. He got in the first two wins of this series. I think it's time to put Freddie Anderson back in, in net. Um, but we'll, we'll see what they do there. Uh, Blues Avalanche. Um, Blues had a great comeback. Uh, good for them. Um, their biggest thing, they need to stop letting Nazim Kadri get in their fucking head. Um, game three, he takes out Jordan Bennington. I agree. Or, excuse me, I think it's, it was game two. Game two, he takes out Jordan Bennington. Um, Definitely not the cleanest of moves, um, but it, it is what it is. Um, they spent the rest of the game going at him. Uh, the coach was talking shit about him, uh, you know, after the game. The fans are sending him death threats and all that shit, um, which for the life of me, I'll never understand why people think it's appropriate to do that. Um, but it is what it is. And then game three, they just for, they kept trying to go after him, and they just continued to feel him, and he goes out there and scores a hat trick. Um, they need to stop letting, and not it's not just him, but just any player get in their head. And that was their biggest reason why they lost the first three games, or, or excuse me, three of the games. Um, but, you know, huge comeback win for them last night. Uh, I do think that was all their magic, though. And I think uh, the Az will win it in uh, six, just like I said. Nick, what do you think about the uh, series here? And, um, you also picked the Panthers, I think. Yeah, Panthers in seven, league. baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I was actually thinking about this earlier <clears throat> while I was at work. And this this Tampa Bay team, um, I think that first series going to game seven, winning it. It was in Toronto, I believe, game seven, was it not? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Winning that in game seven you know, on the road, I think that's what this team needed to kind of, like, 
they talked about it in press conferences and stuff like that. They fully expected that they had the team to win the three-peat. Um, but as we all know, like, words and actions are two different things. I don't think that they fully believed it in that first series until that Game 7 win on the road um, because they've come out and, you know, the Panthers have had their struggles, but, I mean, losing four games is is not – you know, any kind of struggles that they've shown signs of this year. Uh, and what were they? You guys informed me on it. President's Cup? President's Cup, yeah. Yes. That's for having the most points. Yeah. Like, from wins, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, like I said, that this team has hit a new gear. Um, and at this point, I, you know, obviously, if they continue to win, you're going to have to play them in the Stanley Cup Finals. Probably Colorado could be, you know, somebody else. But nonetheless, um, this is going to be a, a scary team to face because it's kind of like you know that shark that smells blood in the water. You know that Game Seven win in Toronto that was, you know, there I smell blood and you know they're out to find it at this point. So definitely going to be interesting to watch them the rest of the playoffs. Um, you know, I, the Panthers. Not a whole lot you can say about winning the President's Cup and then getting swept in, you know, before you ever – just getting swept in a playoff series in general. But uh, the second series, Rangers versus Hurricanes, tied 2-2. I had a feeling this was going to be a, a great series, I believe. Let me check my predictions here quick. Yes, I called Rangers in seven. So um, I, I think at this point, I think the series is still going to go to game seven. However – if the Rangers can squeak a win off tonight, um, I don't see Carolina, you know, ending their their losing their away losing streak um, in this series, especially because we've seen the way New York's crowd has has played. You know, like George touched on previously, New York knows how to go into their own building and win games, especially important games. Um, so, you know, it, we'll we'll see after t after tonight and how that game goes. The Oilers versus Flames has me almost just surprised as the Lightning versus Panthers. I, I never would have, like, if you could have given, given me 100 chances to guess how this that first series was going to go, Tampa Bay sweeping the Panthers would not have been one of my 100 choices. I can promise that. Um, but nonetheless, Edmonton's come out and played really great. But at the same time, you know, George was talking about Markstrom, and uh, this was another thing that I was thinking at work today. When the when George and I started doing the hockey podcast, and throughout the weeks as we did it, um, you can go back and listen. One week I'm like, man, this might be the best team in hockey right now, and then the next week I'm like, what the hell is going on in Calgary? This team looks like trash. Um, you know, they made some pickups at the trade deadline that I thought was going to propel them up to that next level where you need to be, and. So far, especially in these playoffs, we haven't really seen that team that, you know, everybody kind of expected with the season that they had. Um, now, you know, all credit to Edmonton. Again, they've been playing great. But this Calgary team, it seems like it's finally showing, um, especially on their defense. I mean, they have offense capable of putting up points. I believe they scored eight in game one, eight or nine, whatever it was. I remember that video of Coach saying he was telling them they need to go out to score 7-10. Um, but nonetheless, like, they, they've kind of shown, you know, that, that their defense and, uh, again, Markstrom is really the weak link here. And Edmonton is not a team that, you know, you want to allow to just go around and score in goals because they can do it just as well as anybody else in the league. And that's what we're seeing here. Um, and in the last series – the Blues versus Avalanche. You know, this one, I thought it was going to be a generally competitive series, so this doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but Colorado is Colorado. Um, they're talented. They're, you know, very smart. They know how to win games that they need to win. Even though this is going to St. Louis on Friday, I don't think St. Louis really has what it takes. Um, even if St. Louis pulls this off at home, to go, you know, to Colorado, Game 7. 
you know, with a team like that, I, I don't think they pull it off. Uh, my prediction for this one was Colorado in six. So I'm going to stick with it. The only thing I'll say real quick, back to the Calgary thing, at Calgary Edmonton, Marsham is playing how I thought Mike Smith would play, judging off his first round. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how that storyline flip-flops because the whole storyline for him first round was you'd give up really stupid goals at really bad times. And granted, Calgary did score a really dumbass goal on him the other day when they launched it from – they were just trying to clear the puck. And it came right to him in the net. He just oh, stood yeah, there and went right that. through him. So, but yeah, um, I mean, for Edmonton, I, that's the biggest reason they're up through one. Like McDavid is playing out of his mind, like he does every every night anyway. Um, but Mike Smith stepping up and and being and playing as well as he has is the reason they're you know they're up three one. So, like I said, Markstrom needs to step up, and if if Mike Smith can keep this up, I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna not. You know, goes. Oh, they might win the cup, like you know, because it, it's a round by round basis, obviously for him. Um, so we'll have to see what he does in the next round if they get there. Um, but you know, he has to make it through game five, six, and possibly you know seven. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. So um, I think that's pretty pretty self explanatory that none of us saw the Panthers getting blanked. Um, mm-hmm. I was the only one that thought that they had a chance at even winning a game seven. Um, but even that was a far fetch when we were talking about it last week. Uh, the Rangers hurricane, I've been sticking with the hurricane just because I'm hoping that they can make sure that George's home, his new hometown area team can lose. But uh, um, I think that, like Nick had said, I think that it would be even more surprising than, her, than Carolina losing the series than them not to win a game uh, on the road. Uh, at some point here, um, the Oilers and Flames, like George had said, that there's in the last two games here, there's two people that just fucking fly down the ice. It looks as if they're like in like the regular league, and the rest of the people on the ice are like JUCO players or something. And that's McDavid, <laughs> and I think the other guy's name is McKinnon or something from the Avalanche. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon. Yep. That dude, like, he's doing like circles, like he's like yeah. spinning around in a circle to avoid somebody. This dude's like full-fledged going as fast as he can and this dude's just like ice skating out there like damn ballerina <laughs> yeah um yeah it's just i i think that um of the four series i picked the avalanche picked the oilers the rangers and the lightning i think the rangers are going to be where the, the best chance at where i i don't get uh, a win there just because i think the hurricane are just going to figure it out here on the road um but the Avalanche, I, I did not see their, them losing that game last night. Like I said, I, I mm-hmm. put them as making it into the next round already, and that backfired. Good thing I didn't put my money on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's it for hockey. Into our next talk, we're going to kind of get into some golf talk here. Uh, Tiger, yeah. <laughs> Tiger played at the PGA Championship this past weekend, and it was eventful, to say the least. He was out there practicing and everything the week before, and it seemed as if everything was good. They asked him the same dumbass questions they asked him the last time he played at the Masters and was like, do you feel good enough to win? And he's like, yeah, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't good enough to win. <laughs> um, I think that we, we saw firsthand that I think Tiger is going to be too uh, prideful to take a car at any time in his career. I think that he... he I don't think that he will ever take a cart to get around the, the course but i think that him walking the course is what's going to keep him from being able to win again because he had great play on thursday and then friday is where we kind of saw it starting to slip away and everything but he just you could see that it's taking a toll on him there's uh i think it was saturday he was warming up next to rory in the sand pit and he um was going to walk down the hill and he like tripped and you could just see like the wince in his face and all the pain that he was in just trying to walk down a fucking hill into the sand bunker. Mm -hmm. Um, Just difficult to watch. Um, Of course, Justin Thomas ended up getting it done in a three hole playoff. He like put his balls on the table in the second playoff hole because he drove to the green, something that he hadn't attempted in his (laughs) four first chances at that hole throughout the week. 
Um, so it was just cool to see that because I thought that he was going to just play it, hoping that uh, Will Zalatoris messed up and just kind of hit it out there into the middle of the fairway and just play it as it goes. But he went for it all on 17 of that second playoff hole, and it really paid off for him. Um, George, what did you think about Tiger this past weekend and um, Justin Thomas coming out on top? Yeah, um, as far as Tiger, I mean, he's obviously, when he can play, he's still able to compete. I mean, he made the cut. We saw how many, I mean, we're going to talk about here in a minute, how many big names made money. Missed. Yeah, how many big names missed the cut? Um, but yeah, like he's one. He needs to do one of two things: um, either take the rest of this year off and then come back next year, you know, fully healthy. Keep going out, and I'm not saying you know never play golf. Like you know, just keep rehabbing, keep physical therapy, um, go out and play golf every once in a while, and get used to walking. Or two, take the cart. Um, because and, and I know, like you said, yeah, he's probably a little too prideful to do that. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, if him riding in a cart gets us five more years of watching him play golf, I'll take it or, you know, however many, um, or if, you know, taking a year off again, same thing. Um, and I understand the competitor in him and, and how competitive he is. And like you said, he, he won't show up to a tournament if he doesn't think he can do it. Um, but it's, it's one thing to say that on a, on a, Tuesday or a Wednesday when you're getting interviewed um, and when, you know, you're out there and you're not just like, yeah, he's walked that course multiple times playing multiple practice rounds. That's no thing. But when you have the mental weight on you of trying to play golf too, not just like, I mean, when we go out, I mean, we beat ourselves up enough over nothing. I mean, these guys are playing for millions of dollars. Um, and, you know, every, every shot is, is a chunk of change out of your pocket. Um, that mental weight just adds so much more to you. And then, you know, I feel like maybe being out there practicing for what the last, maybe I think he's out there for like three weeks, if not a month, um, you know, probably just finally started to catch up to him. Um, so it's, it sucked to see, but I mean, I, I just want him, I would rather him take a step back and say, okay, what, what's best for me? to ensure that if I do want to keep playing golf, that I can do it at a competitive level for an entire weekend. Is it a cart? Is it, okay, let's, let's take some time off and go to therapy or re, uh, physical, whatever. Um, or, you know, is it just, is it, is it time to hang it up? Which is something I definitely don't want him to do. I'm not ready for that. Um, and, and I don't think we've seen the last of Tiger, um, but it'll be interesting to see if he comes back um, this year anyway. As far as um, JT, it's great to see him win another major. Um, obviously, one of the fan favorites in the field. Uh, not a person it, you can root against. Um, now, in oh, our... the, it was funny because everybody was in support of uh, Mito Torres, but oh. if, yeah. well, that too. Yeah, everybody was rooting for him, but you know, before he fell apart there. But the crowd, like Zal Torres, could hit a great shot. And the crowd got loud as they do for like every great shot. And then JT could hit one like 75% as good. And the crowd's going fucking nuts. And you're yeah. like, well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was great to see him win uh, in our golf league. I, I had Zal Torres. So, I mean, I kind of wanted to see him win. Um, but it's great to see him be on the edge of greatness in so many majors so far. And just knowing that he's, you know, one step away from breaking through. If you would have hit, one shot better on Saturday or Sunday, you know, we're talking about him winning. Um, But, you know, that's just one thing he has to get a little bit better at is being consistent throughout the whole weekend. Thursday and Friday, I would say he was probably the best golfer out there. Um, The most consistent, and he he just looked the best. Um, Saturday, he just stumbled a little bit, and I think it was in his head Sunday. And he did just enough to get himself into that position. I mean, going in the 18, he thought he was done, Um, you know, you, you had the, the leader coming up with, I think it was like a two-shot lead over him. Uh, and then, you know, an unfortunate circumstance there for him. But um, like I said, I, it's great. It's got to be great for his confidence that every time he's gone to a major, I think he's finishing a top 10 at, at every major he's he's gone to now. Five of um, seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, he's knocking on the door. He's right there. Um, you know, he has a couple wins, you know, at, at smaller events. Um, 
but you know, I, I'm definitely a fan of his. I'm going to keep rooting for him. Um, as for uh, Pereira, right? Yeah, Mito. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's uh, like that's heartbreaking to, to say the least to lose in that way. Um, but the way he handled himself afterwards, I just wanted to congrats or commend him on that. Um, you know, just took his lumps, walked off. He didn't try to avoid the media, didn't try to avoid anybody. You know, he took questions right away. Uh, you know, just kind of said, yeah, I, I, I blew it. Like, you know, there, there was no other way to get around that, um, which is odd, especially nowadays. Like, if you see anybody else do that, they're, they're running to the locker room. You're not seeing them for, like, three days or deactivating their Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, so it was nice to see somebody, like, I, I mean, there's no there's no running from it. Let's just go out there and face it. Um, and it, it's not the last we'll see of him either, you know. That was a ridiculously challenge, challenging course, and Saturday was a super challenging day environmentally-wise, you know, with the wind and, you know, storms threatening, all that stuff. Um, and just last thing I want to say overall about the tournament is the grounds crew did an amazing job. I think they said that they had a half inch of rain um, Friday night in the Saturday morning. And you like I, the broadcasters talked about it multiple times. You couldn't tell it, it had even yeah. grizzled. Um, they did a great job getting that course ready. Um, so, but, you know, super challenging course. And, you know, I know that he'll be back sometime and, you know, challenge for more majors and, and more wins overall. Nick, what were your thoughts on, uh, Tiger being back, the withdrawal, and JT getting the win. Yeah, so uh, first up with Tiger, um, I believe I might have said something about I don't know if I said something last week on the podcast or if it was after we were done doing our golf, um, when we were doing our stuff afterwards for golf. But um, they had him 14th in the power rankings. I, be, I believe you had touched on that it was kind of a pity ranking. Um, and it was, you know, there's no way around it. There was nothing anywhere that said, yeah, Tiger is going to come back and be one of the top 15 players in this. Um, but nonetheless, it's Tiger Woods. Uh, I believe, I don't remember if this was something you had touched on in the podcast or not, but you had made the comment about how uh, FanDuel and some other um, sports book like, would have lost their ass if Tiger went on to win. You know, so people still believe in Tiger. Uh, Tiger still believes in, him, in himself. So I, I think that's a good step one. Um, obviously, something needs to change. Um, he took a month in between, you know, and he came back stronger and healthier. And to be quite honest, I, he looked worse than what he did at the Masters. Um, you know, so at, at least in my opinion, um, you know, he had a good day one just like at the Masters, but I feel like his fall apart kind of happened faster again. You know, was that all the practice rounds he ran? Was it whatever? <clears throat> Who knows? But I, something's got to be done if he wants to get back to competing like we all know he will, um, or all know he does. Uh, you know, that's really all I have on that. Like, I, As someone who the first round or the first tournament of, uh, I almost said hockey, <laughs> golf I've ever watched was the Masters, and it was because Tiger came back after being out so long. Um, you know, you say Tiger Woods, everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. And so I, I would definitely love to be able to watch him play more um, as someone who's gotten into the sport. So hopefully whatever it is that needs done gets done um, and he continues, you know, to, to compete. As far as JT, um, to you guys, I don't have to say a whole lot. I, you go, You guys both know that he's my favorite golfer. And I was, I was still rooting. Um, I was rooting more for Mito than I was for Zalatoris, just because George had Zalatoris on uh, his team. So, but I, I was actually rooting for them both. I was like, you know, it, whichever one wins, it's not a bad story. Um, you know, it would have been great to see. Until JT got to like hole fourteen, <laughs> I don't remember. It was somewhere around there. I don't remember exactly which hole, but he was like two strokes away and um birdie and i was like oh shit like at that point i'm like man mito's gonna have to choke and then well i mean he, he had kind of been i i don't want to use this term choke because that sounds derogatory and like i can't even shoot under 100 so i don't want to make it sound like you know nothing like that but for lack of a better word he had pretty much choked all day he started 
I believe it was nine under um, and finished the day would it have been four under, I believe, because I think maybe five under. I forget what the score was that ended up going in the play. I want to say it was six under for Zalatoris and JT, but nonetheless, it was kind of a slow progression. He went to hole 18. All he had to do was basically not fuck up. Um, if he hard, if he party won, if he bogeyed, he went into the three-way playoff tournament. First shot in the water, and he still had a chance at that point. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that shot going into the water kind of, you know, derailed him mentally. Um, and while as a JT fan, I was excited as hell to see it. Um, it, it was, like George said, it was heartbreaking. I do respect him for the way that he came out and basically said, yeah, that's, you know, my bad. Um, you know, a, a whole lot of respect on that, uh, on that part of it. But a great tournament of golf all around. Um, you know, some people that weren't really supposed to be up there battling were up there battling. And some people that should have been up there battling were missing the cut or, you know, down on the bottom of the leaderboard. So, that's one nice thing to see like week in and week out. It can always be somebody new. Um, I think that's one thing that keeps me watching, but I was blown up talking about blowing people's phones up. Neither one of you guys were answering me. I know I was at work, <laughs> bro. I'm like, JT's coming back. Like, they got in the playoff. I'm like, he's in the playoff. And I actually, I, th I looked at Jade at one point, like right after it ended, right after JT won. And I was like, babe, my favorite golfer just <laughs> won the PGA Championship, and she's like, oh, cool. And I was like, look, I know you don't care, but George and Slade are not answering me right now. Like, <laughs> I need someone to give me some positive affirmation. Yeah, so I took it to Twitter. I was like, whatever. But <laughs> nonetheless, great tournament to watch. Um, yeah. And, you know, hopefully more like that to come. Yeah, I, I think that, like you guys have both said, um, I think just to touch on what George had said, the Tiger thing, I think the reason why I think that he's too um, – prideful to take the cart is because i think that people would put i mean i don't think it would count as a check mark but i think that people would put like that uh asterisk next to it if he won that major that put him ahead of to be the most winningest um golfer ever in majors included i think if he did that with a cart um anyone that has hated on T tiger anytime there's been bad news that had come out against him would hound on that for forever like, even if Charlie Woods ended up golfing, that's all you'd hear about is how his dad only got the record because he had a golf cart. Yeah. Um, and That's a good point. To touch on that, the Mito with the press afterwards, um, golf is unlike NASCAR. So, like, in NASCAR, Kyle <laughs> Busch can get his car fucking rammed into the wall by Bubba Wallace and be pissed, and he still has to, he's mandated to talk to the press afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's, like, a rule in NASCAR. In golf, it's not. He could have walked off and got on a plane and left. Um, but he, they had said that he talked to every single reporter that had a question for him. He answered all the questions. And then what was really cool is Joaquin Neiman and a couple other guys had actually stayed, even though they had played in the morning. Um, they stayed to like talk to him afterwards, even though he had lost. So I thought that was pretty cool that they stayed to watch him possibly win um, since they had all come up together. Kind of same similar with like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spade to come up together in the uh, golf world. Um, on to our next topic, kind of a this or that type scenario. Um, who had the more disappointing weekend, Scotty Scheffler, John Rom, or the Florida Panthers? I'm gonna go first in saying that I think Scotty Scheffler because first he fucked my golf team, and <laughs> <laughs> secondly because I didn't watch the whole season of hockey. I only watched the playoffs so far. So I can't, like, vouch. Like, I don't know how the Panthers played earlier in the season. Obviously, you got the President's Cup means they scored the most points. Or, yeah, the, whatever. But um, Scotty Sheffield, we'll get did you me, there. He, he did me bad. So that's why I think that he had the most <laughs> disappointing weekend. So Slade goes, answer D, myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my golf team did have a very, very bad weekend. <laughs> he scored seven points. Dude, if Bro, there was I was a all excited about my golf team, and I was like, "Why aren't these motherfuckers answering me?" And then George put the points in. And I was like, oh. "If there was <laughs> ever what, a chance, <laughs> if there was ever a chance for like six dudes to miss the cut, my team could have done it." Oh yeah. Um, or six guys, yeah. But uh, 
George, what did you think about the weekend, and who was your mis- uh, most disappointing person? At a, uh, uh, Scheffler. Scheffler by far. Uh, he what, he had played a practice round like two weeks ago, and he shot a 64 there, um, and uh, he didn't break par all weekend. Um, Rom, we touched on it last week. He was he's struggling, and um, I don't think anybody expected him to play as bad as he did. Um, but I mean, like I said, he he's been struggling. Uh, it's it's well documented. His only win this year, as far as I know, was the Mexico Open, where nobody played against him. Um, but and the Panthers, they got to go to a strip club before uh, Game Four. So I mean, they had a great fucking weekend. So. Yeah, I'm going with Scheffler. Nick, what did you think? Uh, I mean, I wanted to say Scheffler, but I thought at least one of you two would have gone with Florida. Um, I thought George was going to. Yeah. It was <laughs> – I only added Rom into this topic just because of his ranking in the world. But, you know, like we touched on last week, like George said, I, I personally don't think he's deserving of it, um, especially with the way he's played. You know, Florida, obviously, you win the President's Cup. And then you come out here and just get absolutely shit on before you even, you know, make it into the the semifinals. So definitely disappointing. But Scotty Scheffler, number one ranked golfer in the world, has won four of his six starts or something. I don't know. I think I fucked it up the last time I said it in the podcast. But nonetheless, um, is really good at golf and you know to go out there and you know we've seen in in some of you know the the tournaments that he didn't win that he does have you know a bad side we've talked about it before you know you can't go out there and golf your ass off every single time you go out but this was i think while it was disappointing for him um, to the golf community as a whole, especially the other people in the PGA Tour, it showed that, you know, he's not Superman, that he can't just walk out there whenever he wants and shoot a 64 and win. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely am going to have to agree with you on the, this one, even though I didn't want all three of us to agree. But nonetheless, I, I just wanted to put out there. Fucking um, sucked. Yeah. I just wanted to put out there that, we talked about John Rahm on the podcast last week. Right after the podcast, we did our golf or fantasy draft for golf. And are you still crying about this? No, no, no. no. He was going to say about. Oh. It. Oh, we yeah. talked about it while you were getting your pizza. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. So it had gotten to like the fourth round of our draft, and we do a snake draft. And John Rahm, <laughs> second ranked golfer in the world, second in the power rankings, was still sitting there. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I kind of want to take him. And even though we just all fucking drug him through the mud on the podcast <laughs> and i wasted a pick on him nonetheless but slade and i were talking about it before the show had neither of us picked him he probably would have went on oh yeah I yeah yeah <laughs> um fucking golf so i think that that was a good one that we all kind of agreed on just because i didn't really know much about hockey so i thought that it was nice that i wasn't completely wrong in thinking that like scotty scheffler really outweighed the rest of them in where his performance should have been, especially like what George said, if he shot a 64 on the course a week before the tournament, um, it's pretty pathetic that he couldn't even get the par. Um, yeah. uh, going into our fifth topic of the day, we have the all-star race shit show this past weekend. Um, I just want to say after this part, I wanted to ask your guys' opinion on the whole uh, driver's side window net and stuff. So if we can try and, save that part till then in your talks about this comment here. I don't, I don't think we have enough fucking time to, to go over my thoughts of how much <laughs> bullshit that entire sequence was. I, I can I can go on a whole hour rant about how stupid that entire situation We'll save was. it for the end so we can just hit the shutdown button on you. But um, <laughs> the, the All-Star Race shit show which leads into the greatest week or yeah, sorry, let me restart that. The, gl- the greatest weekend of racing there is and ever will be. There's Monaco, the Indy 500, the Coke 600. What are you guys most looking forward to this weekend? What do you find special about this weekend? And um, of, of the race that you think that you're most excited for, 
who do you think is your pick to win that race? We'll start with you, Nick. Uh, yeah, so um, I ain't got this shit to say about the All-Star race. I'm not even going to waste my time. But uh, as far as the weekend coming up, um, George wrote this topic, if you guys couldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> and he's not wrong. It's the greatest weekend of racing that there is and ever will be. Um, three great races in all three you know, major racing platforms. Uh, one of which is the most known race um, in probably all of history. I mean, you could argue the Daytona 500, um, but that doesn't compare to the Indy 500, uh, especially not nowadays. Uh, but I- I'm excited, uh, purely excited. I actually might have to bring up Formula One and watch it this weekend because I do love when they race in Monaco. Um, you know, the Indy 500 is the Indy 500. I will have it on. Um, and the Coke 600, I believe, if I heard correctly, is the longest race in the NASCAR schedule, the only one that goes 600 miles. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, so, obviously, you know, that's a spectacle in itself. Coca-Cola 600 is, you know, one of those races that's that's kind of up there, you know, with Daytona and stuff like that, especially in the NASCAR world. Um, but for me, what I'm most looking forward to has got to be the Indy 500. Um, you know, everything... First of all, I don't think people think about this too often because it's in Indiana and it's in May, um, but it actually typically is quite fucking hot out there. <laughs> and these guys spend hours in their race suits inside of their cars, burning like 10 pounds of pure water weight from sweat, hop out of a car excited for winning and get handed a glass of milk. Like it's the most warm milk. Ridiculous. Probably. Yeah, it's probably it probably is warm. Um they it's, fucking keep it cold, you dipshit. Yeah, but it's still hot. You think about like I the thought tracks, that recently one of the guys said that and... he only likes warm milk. The last he, guy to win. He, oh, probably did, and that's yeah. just fucking weird. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's even worse. To be honest, that's but, just another reason not, not to like him. Yeah, but nonetheless, um, sorry, I'm actively trying to bring bring up the starting grid while I'm talking about this, because um, I wasn't prepared for the last part of this question, but. You know, the drinking of the milk is symbolic. You think about races or any sports in general when somebody wins, whether it's a championship or, you know, big races or whatever, they pop the champagne out and look like George on his honeymoon and they're shaking it up and spraying it over everybody. Um, But they don't get that. They get milk. And I think that just makes it that much cooler because it's unique. Um, You know, by the time you get back to the garage and get changed, you probably smell like moldy milk. Um, (laughs) So... Uh, but nonetheless, the other tradition that comes with the Indy 500 is the kissing of the bricks. Um, I, I'd have to say probably the biggest tradition, um, at least in racing. You know, that that's something that every driver, you know, dreams to be able to do. So that's another reason. Um, I kind of have a special connection to the Indy 500 because George and I went, you know, a couple years back. Um, so I might be slightly biased on this, but nonetheless... All three of these races have, you know, their own things that they bring to the table. Um, and if available, you should be watching all three. George. Oh, sorry, Nick. Did you, were you going to yeah. say something? Uh, I realized that I forgot to say my winner. You picked Jimmy Johnson? I'm no, kidding. <laughs> Johnson. Although he did have a great save in practice, but I'm not picking him. It's not going to be Ed Carpenter. He always does well in qualifying, and that should be said. I'm not saying Scott Dixon. I'm going to go with Renus BK. I just picked somebody. All right. All right. So, George, same question. Monaco, um, the Indy 500, the Coke 600. A lot going on this weekend. Um, I'm pretty sure that you're basically having an orgasm in your head as soon as this shit turns on because – you're going to have to figure out if you have enough screens to stream everything that's going on this weekend. Because we also have Charles Schwab, uh, uh, Charles Schwab tournament for golf. Um, there's all kinds of things going on this weekend. So what were your thoughts on the All-Star race and the races coming up this weekend? Uh, I, I'm not wasting my time on the All-Star race. I think everybody else has beat that horse or beat that dead horse. However you fucking say that, whatever. Um, beat off that uh, horse. Yeah, I'm just not wasting this weekend. any more time <laughs> on it. Um, 
just utter stupidity from NASCAR from front to back. Um, moving on. Uh, yeah, no, this is one of my favorite weekends in, in all of sports. Um, I can tell you right now, I'm probably not watching any golf um, unless it's still on after the Indy 500 is over before the NASCAR race comes on. Um, but yeah, I'm very happy they moved Monaco back to this weekend. Um, they tried it there for a year where it was its own separate weekend. It just didn't feel the same. Um, so I'm very glad everything is back together. I can actually wake up early on a Sunday for once. Uh, I'll turn that race on. And listen, M- Monaco is not an exciting race. And for anybody that wants to tune in and see, you know, passing left, that it's, it's the narrowest street course in the world. Um, there's, there's not passing that goes on there. Uh, it's, it comes down to pitch strategy and sheer luck. Um, and it's just, for me, it's more the historical factor into it. That that's why I love it so much. Um, and it's a challenge, nonetheless. Like yeah, to just keep your car on the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, my pick to win that race, I, I there's this huge stigma around Charles Charles Leclerc that he's has the worst luck there. Every time he's raced, he hasn't finished a race there. And then he was driving uh, a historic Ferrari um, at their like historic days or whatever two weeks ago now uh, and he crashed that as well um but i think this year he's I, i'm picking him to win it and that means he's gonna wreck him the first lap his, if if he even his, makes the race his first fucking finish is gonna be a win according yeah. to you uh he was on the pole last year but he wrecked in, <laughs> but he also wrecked in qualifying so he went to go start the race but his toe or i think it was his gearbox was broken so they had he you know he never started um <laughs> But so yeah, I'm I'm going with I'm going with Leclerc, um, Indy 500. Should, what? You should drive to Virginia and actually bet that. I should. <laughs> um, the Indy 500, uh, like Nick said, it, it's. I think it's surpassed the Daytona 500, uh, in in terms of significance. Um, you pack three hundred thousand plus people into this, you know, otherwise small city in the middle of Indiana, um. Millions of people watch it at home, and I, I just think it's the greatest race between the fuel strategy. Um, you know, the highs they're running 230 and 220 plus. Um, you know, this this year we had, I believe they set the fastest four lap average, um, or it was just the fastest lap overall. It was one of the two, I can't remember. I believe it was four um, lap average, yeah. Um, so it's just gonna be insane to watch that. Uh, on Sunday, um, this year I'm not going to the Coke 600, so I can sit down and watch the whole thing. So I'm really excited for that. Um, excited to get back there one day. It's it's a beautiful spectacle. Uh, like I mean, granted, it's a huge track. You're not going to see the cars the whole time, uh, but Indianapolis does a great job of presenting everything to you. Um, they have huge TVs all around the track, uh, but even then, like it, it, you can just feel the excitement and the energy when you're at the minute you walk into that atmosphere. Um, for that, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to take Jimmy. Um, he has his best finish in IndyCar was at Texas. He finished sixth. Um, he has been very fast. Uh, he would have qualified higher if he didn't, you know, almost completely destroy his car in qualifying. Um, I think, he and he knows how to win it in Indianapolis too. He's won there multiple times in in NASCAR. I think if he can just kind of calm his nerves down a little bit and drive within his own abilities and not try and push his car over the limit, uh, and and just sit in and understand that it's a 500 mile race, you're not going to win on a lap one, um, and and just let the race come to him, which he did very well in NASCAR. Um, I'm going to take him. Uh, Coke 600. I am also. Mo- I think I'm probably the most excited for, and and here's why. Um, went to the race last year, and it was the old Aero package, which sucked. And Kyle Larson, I think, led all but like ten laps. Um, it was the most boring race I think I've ever been to. Um, this year, we've seen how well this Aero package performs. Uh, Texas was not a good place to to showcase that. Um, overall, that track has a bunch of issues. Um, but I'm really excited to see this, this new aero package roll out and, and how it interacts overall throughout uh, the weekend. Um, I think it's going to produce a lot more exciting racing. 
and it's not going to be so much as you know like the 600 miles was basically you know and a test of man and machine i i don't i think the cars are too durable for that right now um it's going to come down to a mental mistake at the end of the race but overall i think it's just gonna be a lot closer than what it was in years past um I'm going to take Tyler Reddick to win the NASCAR race. I like that. I like that. Um, so, real quick, George, last week mm. you had said that there was a possibility that, depending on what your schedule was and stuff, that you might try and catch a truck series race. Any chance of you buying a $30 ticket for tomorrow's truck race at 8.30? I'm, I'm still thinking about it. If not, <laughs> I, I, I think so. It's yeah. at 8.30. I just checked. It's like 30 bucks for a ticket. Yeah, truck series is 30 Uh Xfinity is uh, I, 1 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, Xfinity is 40, and then the NASCAR was $50. NASCAR sold out. It's standing room only right now. Um, yeah, the I'm, reserved I'm, standing instead. It's uh, yeah. sold out. Yeah, so um, not even going to try and bother with that, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we got going on. If I do go, definitely going to make a TikTok out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I think I've only been the one truck Going in the race. jorts? Oh, yeah. I think I've only been the one yeah. truck race. Um I want to say I went one time when they were when we went for Bristol. Bristol. Um, but I can't remember if I went to the truck race or not. Yeah. So, like you guys had said, um, big weekend. I have not watched any Formula One ever. <laughs> um, I the only names that I know are Indy Five Hundred Indy names. So I'm not even going to attempt to say anything about Monaco. I'll just agree with you guys in that it's a very short or a narrow track, and that pits are going to decide everything um uh the indy 500 i think that just because i've heard a lot about jimmy johnson this past week i think it's just because uh my thing's all focused on nascar and so anytime jimmy johnson it like brings him into my feed um i guess they said that he had the fastest lap out there like two days ago and uh so i'm gonna pick him for the indy 500 and i mean he's had more races there than anyone else because or i would assume that's an assumption but just because of NASCAR, I would probably, probably has the most or close to the most uh, actual laps on the track. Um, for the Coke 600, I'm picking Kyle Larson. I think that George picked Tyler Reddick, who is another person that's going to ride the wall the entire time and put down some really fast laps. But I think Larson has had um, the last couple weeks where he hasn't really been in the uh, spotlight. And so I think this is the week where he picks it back up. Um I think that the Coke 600 is, I'm going to watch the entirety of that. Uh, my parents are coming up on Saturday, so Sunday should be a good day to watch the Indy 500 and uh, the Coke 600. Um, I think the only thing I'm going to touch on in the All-Star race is that it should not be at a track where they barely fucking lift. Like, there's no there's no race at that point. Like, it, it's just whoever brought the fastest car for the week and whoever doesn't fucking get a tire like super glued to their damn car on pit road um it's like that so that that wasn't really like they said uh so i listened to denny hamlin he was on the the dale jr download this week um and he was he said this year there was guys actually shifting and it's because like the manufacturers like set the rpm like limiter so they low forced it. yeah um but it's, it's it's like that at every track right now. So like they're working with them to like get that fixed. But the the manufacturers are basically being douchebags about it. Um. So the the biggest problem with Texas is it's literally one one lane. Like you can't race high there because they fucked it up so bad with PJ one, and there's there's no way to pass anybody. Like as soon as you get in front of the car. Like there's there's no way for them to get around you unless they can somehow get a draft and get beside you on you know the back stretch front stretch whatever, um, or Carl Edwards slide job. Yeah, they literally need to just tear the asphalt up from start to finish and repave it. I would honestly reconfigure it too. Uh, get I did not hear asphalt in that comment there. <laughs> Either way, but um, just tear tear it all up, repave it, and at the same time reconfigure it. I would take it. Keep it a mile and a half if you want to, but make it just an oval. Get get rid of the, the, the cookie cutter, you know, bullshit dog leg that does nothing for racing and just make it a mile and a half oval. And I think you get a much better product. And then, you know, you could change the banking in one and two if you want to. I would make it a little steeper. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I think that's the only way to get any kind of decent racing back. Um, I don't see them ever leaving the track altogether, but that's that's just what I would do first and foremost to, to try and fix any kind of racing at, at Texas Motor Speedway. I think that it's great that they're uh, going to change. So originally there was just one person in each turn that reported to NASCAR that there was a wreck or something that they deemed uh, important enough to cause a caution. And so now they're stating that they're going to put um, that their their plan is to put three people in each corner so that there's a quick conversation between the three to determine whether it's actually necessary because the shit show that it could have been had Ryan Blaney not won the race after the restart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just he. Everyone was passed. Uh, who was it? Stenhouse Jr. that spun out. Who would? He, he didn't spin. He barely touched the wall off the two. But yeah, right, it, was, it but, was Stenhouse. Yeah, but. He, he was the one that they called the caution for. And everyone had passed him by the time the fucking caution came out. Ryan Blaney's a football field away from the start-finish line. And so it's just chaos. And I understand that they try to make rules just for the All-Star race to make things fun. Like, they do the pit stop for qualification, for qualifying and whatnot. But um, it, it could have been really bad. It's a good thing that it doesn't count for points, obviously, because mm-hmm. it could have been really bad if a situation like that happened and Ryan Blaney had not won the race after an ill-called uh, caution. Mm-hmm. And that will wrap up our weekly, never-weekly podcast uh, from the Jack Wagon Sports Network. Uh, again, my name is Nick. This is George and Slade. And if you haven't already, go follow the social medias. Um, show us some love. Give us some comments, send us direct messages, whatever it is. Uh, check out the merch site. Um, I believe I don't know if we have that. Dis- if there's any way to display that on Spotify or YouTube or anything. So if ch- when you check out the social medias, it is in a link, or there is a link in all of the bios. Um, yeah, show us love. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Peace. See you guys. 